I am still Ernie Manus. And I am also still Catherine Liu. And I started that way. This has been a week. You know, I'm very happy. We're going to talk arts here. We're talking performing arts. We are not worrying about politics. That has kept me up nights. I have watched way too much television on this. I need a breather. I need to come into the world of arts to soothe the savage beast. Did you read my T-shirt? Yes. Only good vibes is what it says on yeah. Catherine's T-shirt today. <laughs> I have a new T-shirt that says, I have too many kitchen gadgets, said nobody ever. And that was given to me by a friend because I have so many of those. But that's the joy of the arts is it lifts you out of your everyday life. It can lift you out of that place where... Maybe reality just gets a bit much and you need that escape to beauty, to music, to art, to storytelling. You know, and it's not to say that everything is a panacea because these stories can be challenging even, but it's nice to have that escape. And an escape to, and not even escape is not exactly the right word, but sort of being uplifted. Yes. And inspired, mm -hmm. I hope, mm -hmm. because you know what? I'm taking us to the Grammys. You are. I'm taking us to Jersey. <laughs> well, I think the Grammys would probably be more fun. I'm from New York. I can make fun of Jersey. That, that's what we do in New York. But um, yeah, Jersey Boys is on tour. And so a couple of the cast have stopped by here to chat about their experience being in this, in this tour of a very beloved show. But then you are talking to someone from right here in Houston that won a Grammy. Yes, we're going to relive the recent Grammys with... The Grammy Award-winning, now Grammy Award-winning, Houston Chamber Choir. Uh, they just won the 2020 Grammy for Best Choral Performance. And um, a small group of them were able to go out for the ceremony in Los Angeles on January 26th. Uh, it was their first nomination, and they nabbed it and got their first Grammy. But we're going to go behind the scenes of their win. Maybe a little red carpet yeah. talk and envelope please talk <laughs> so you know i've got to ask this before you finish there did they know they were going to win did they think they were going there to win or did it totally catch them off guard that they were the ones that won they tell a nice little anecdote about what was going through their right, their don't, minds don't give it away. but yeah they're they didn't want to jinx it let's put it yeah, that way yeah so who do you have artistic director and founder robert simpson and uh choir member jack byram we'll get the behind the scenes stories and what the win means to them and, yeah. and for the city, too. Well, you know, it's a win for me right now. Not only that I get to sit here with you after the end of a very long week, but you have our favorite candy still in the bowl. So you want to unwrap some of it and, and get this show going? Oh, definitely. Okay. I'm ready for I some treats. Scott, I'm going to go first because I just can't wait. An atomic fireball. I love those. Let's begin the show. We're wrapping our candies now. Catherine and Ernie are about to begin the show. Find your seats, silence all chiming devices, locate the nearest exit, and should you wish to partake of any hard candy during the program, please unwrap your candies now. Robert Simpson and Jack Byram, welcome to Unwrap Your Candies Now, and congratulations on the Grammy. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you are now and forever the Grammy award-winning Houston Chamber Choir. That's the first line of our description from here on in. You like the ring to that, right? <laughs> I love the ring to that, and I've promised myself never to get used to it. I'm going to keep the thrill. 
So we are recording this interview on February 4th, which is just a little bit over a week from your win. So what's this past week been like? How has life changed? Has it really sunk in? Or tell me how you're feeling. Jack, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have. I had to get on a plane to go right back to work as soon as the Grammys were over. I was in Dallas, and, and even then, while traveling, I was hearing from friends that I hadn't spoken to in 10, 15, in some cases even 20 years, who were reaching out to me to say congratulations and just talk about, you know, what a what a surprise it was. And it, of course it was for me too. But family and friends and colleagues uh, that I sing with outside of the Houston Chamber Choir all have just been amazing with their outpouring of support and with their congratulations. And it's been a very surreal experience for sure. Yeah, for me, the, uh, the Grammy was quite a surprise. We were in the company of some very, very strong choirs, two of whom had already won Grammys, uh, Consperare and Austin. We're thrilled that Texas is big enough for two Grammy award-winning choirs. And The Crossing from Philadelphia that specializes in contemporary music. I had a personal theory that the Academy would expect us to come back with a second Grammy worthy CD before we got serious consideration. Uh, Because this is your first nomination. Because this is our first nomination. And our Grammy award-winning producer, Blanton Osboff from Sound Mirror, and I were having a drink the night before the Grammys, and I was telling him my theory, and he just looked at me and he said, nope, doesn't work that way. (laughs) I thought, oh, okay, well. You've got a shot. Well, you know, I (laughs) just- Just like everybody else. Yes, exactly. And, you know, in addition to the the great conductors of most recent years, that now puts us in the company of Robert Shaw, John Elliott Gardner, uh, Sir Gerald Schulte. uh, These are legendary figures, and we now have a place in that list. And, And it is truly humbling and gives us every reason to continue our work to be the finest ensemble we can. And Jack had to fly to to Dallas to go to work, but the rest of us, and there was one other singer, uh, Wayne Ashley, and my wife, Mariana Parnas Simpson, who sing in the choir, who got off the plane in Houston and came directly to a Houston Chamber Choir rehearsal, and uh, where, of course, the rest of the ensemble was there ready to celebrate and hear all the stories that, that we had to tell. But it seemed very appropriate to get off the plane from receiving the Grammy and go back to the place where all the things that we love happen in a rehearsal. Excellent. So let's dive into Grammy night um, (laughs) because, you know, we want to hear all the backstage behind the scenes stuff. Give me a little play-by-play. So you got on the flight together, you got your tuxes, your ball gowns. Yes, we got there Friday night. Mm -hmm. So we had... um, a nominee's reception on Saturday night. And that was the time that we could really socialize. Craig Hella Johnson from Consperari and I have been friends for a number of years, and we immediately found each other and spent a lot of time talking. We also ran into people from completely different musical genres. We spent a lot of time with a rapper, another with a reggae artist. And the most meaningful conversation we had was with a group of Native Americans from Alberta called Northern Cree. And they, of course, sing the music of their heritage, and they were so excited to be nominated yet again. So after that evening, then Sunday, we all got on the shuttle and went over to the area where we stood in line. And uh, Mariana and I got to walk the red carpet. And uh, Jack and Wayne and um, Carolina were able to 
follow our path. We were given a sort of auxiliary red carpet. It was oh. still red, so I get it... to say I walked it. But uh, it was sort of next to the main procession where the media staging is done. So, you know, it, we probably walked it in way less time than Bob and Mariana did because they had so many people trying to get their picture. Uh, but it was a surreal scene and just very, very exciting. Yeah. And then we met together and went into the hall for what's known as the premiere awards ceremony where 74 of the 84 Grammys are awarded. And that began at 1230 on Sunday. And then we just waited for the moment. I actually want to go... I want to go to that moment. You know, then it's your category. You're sitting there in Staples Center. And I want to play the moment that they called your name. For best choral performance, the nominated conductors are Donald Nelly, Robert Simpson, Craig Hella Johnson, Peter Yermahoff, Donald Nelly. And the Grammy goes to... Durflay, Complete Choral Works, Robert Simpson, Conductor. So those split seconds when she opened the envelope and when she said your name must have been the longest seconds of her life. <laughs> they were for me. I don't remember it at all. I, I don't. It, it, we had the privilege of having our producer win an award for producer of the year for his classical work, uh, Blanton Ospaugh, just a few moments before that. And when he won the award, of course, our, our album was listed in his credits for one of the reasons why he received his nomination. And when he won that award, I thought that there was something maybe to that. And so we had ne- hadn't said anything at first because we didn't want to jinx it, but we started sort of whispering among ourselves what the plan was going to be if our name was called because we needed to figure out how to stick together and we decided we were all going to go up. It hadn't been discussed previously, but we didn't have time to make the decision. And so then they started reading the the nominees. So when they read the actual album title, I knew immediately that he, he had won. And I remember I was probably part of that, that screaming mob that you hear in the, <laughs> in the recording. Once I realized what was happening, then... I went on automatic pilot. I, I remember standing up and I remember walking forward. Uh, but I also remember turning around and being so happy that all of us were coming up on stage together. I'm just a little superstitious and I thought any pre-planning of any of this might just take the bloom off the rose. And so we hadn't planned anything, as Jack said, but it was absolutely right. It would have I would not have enjoyed it half as much had I been up there by myself. Uh, it just meant the world to me. And and so I had the Grammy. I said my speech. And then the stage managers ushered me off stage. I was separated from the others for a time. And the first thing that happened is some very rude person came up and grabbed the Grammy right out of my hands. <laughs> and I looked you didn't at, keep as, the one they, they, I they looked present to you. as I'm sure everybody that night looked at him who hadn't done this before, like, well, how could you do this to me? How could you steal my prized possession? And he said, don't worry, this is just a prop. You're going to get something a lot better. <laughs> and that's what he said. In six to eight weeks, you'll be getting something that will really be outstanding. So, And then I started another gauntlet of media. And then I got dumped out at the other end of this gauntlet. And there everyone was ready for us to continue on to the televised portion of the Grammys, uh, where the final 10 
uh, Grammys are handed out. Of course, the televised extravaganza we got to see firsthand, and that was fabulous. And then there was a party. And <laughs> so everybody dumped out into this grand hall with lavish drinks and, and food and live entertainment that went well into the night. The, the Grammy organization really knows how to throw a party. So you got to enjoy the rest of your night. Yes. The sort of the pressure is off, and you came out, came out ahead. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, in Houston, we love Beyonce, we love Lizzo as well. So I have to ask: Did you did you get to meet either of those stars or any other fun folks in the industry <laughs> that I, you want to tell I us about? I didn't have a chance to see either of them, I'm afraid, but I was on the lookout. And we were rooting very hard for both of them. Yeah. It was so exciting to see Lizzo open the show just because of who she is and, and that she's from Houston. There's a lot of pride there. And we feel that that kinship, whether we get to, you know, visit with her or not. We're very, very proud to be associated with her through this through this connection. I thought you gave such a lovely acceptance speech, Bob. Thank you. Um, and I actually want to play some of it for those who, who haven't heard it. So let's take a listen. Well, we are deeply honored, and I want to congratulate my fellow nominees. They have inspired me and our entire field. I'm honored to accept this award on behalf of the musicians of the Houston Chamber Choir and our wonderful staff led by Miriam Khalili and our board of directors chaired by Rick Kellogg and our steadfast and generous donors. I also accept this award on behalf of the city of Houston one of the real artistic capitals of our country. It is from this city that our musicians are drawn. We are friends and neighbors, and how amazingly talented. My thanks to Sound Mirror, Blanton Ospaugh, Mark Donahue, John Newton, and to Steve Long and Signum Classics. This recording was a labor of love, and I want to thank those who joined us on the journey, the enormously talented organist Ken Cowan, cellist Norman Fisher, and our soloists, Cecilia Duarte and Eduardo Tessero, the Shepherd School of Music, Robert Yakovich, Dean, for allowing us to record in the Eth Bates Old Recital Hall. But most of all, I want to thank Mariana Parnas Simpson, my wife and collaborator, for her strength and her belief in me and our shared vision for bringing professional choral music to Houston. Ya Lublu Tibia. <laughs> to Rob, Laura, and Faina and your wonderful families. We love you beyond measure. Thank you for this great honor. And that was Bob Simpson's uh, acceptance speech on behalf of Houston Chamber Choir for Best Choral Performance at the 2020 Grammy Awards. And you can find that clip on YouTube if you want to <laughs> also watch it. Um, so I have a few questions about that speech, which was, which was wonderful again. Uh, first of all, if I'm not putting you on the spot... What did you say to what? your wife in <laughs> Russian, right? Because I know she speaks Russian. Yes, Mariana is from Russia. <laughs> and I, I use three of the five words of Russian that I know. And yalublu tibia means I love you. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> and as you could hear already uh, from the, even from a distance from the microphone, uh, Mariana felt the, the sensation of, of that moment yeah. very deeply. And that was fun. And you also accepted the award on behalf of the city of Houston, um, and you called it one of the real artistic capitals of the country. So in a way, you're you're also sort of thanking, or at least honoring, Houston yes. for yes. the award. 
Why did you want to do that? Well, because it's it's appropriate. It's it's a reality. Uh, we are Houston singers. We're Houston musicians. Our support is Houston support. Our performances are Houston performances. We grow out of Houston soil. And we work as hard as we possibly can to bring Houston the finest choral music that can be heard anywhere. But it all starts, and for me, ends right here in Houston. And there is a part of me that just wanted to take this opportunity to tell the other parts of the country that Houston has so much going for it. If people haven't been here, that might not be their first thought. And so I wanted to be part of telling the, the true story. And there's a lot of love, I think, um, yes. in the choir. And you called it a labor of love, this recording. It was. In your speech. It was. It was something that just just grabbed hold of us and we, we needed to see it through. I will also uh, say that one of the early comments that I received from a fellow nominee after having listened to our CD, his comment was, there was so much love in the sound. And I told him, I, I will never get a better compliment. Uh, but in fact, is, uh, it is true that, uh, that the choir just exudes a dedication beyond just sheer desire. It, it really does go into a love of each other and the love of what we do um, that comes through in the sound. You know, we talked about your recognizing, acknowledging Houston as one of the, the artistic capitals in the country. And certainly the city has no shortage of amazing string quartets, orchestras, uh, choral groups, and performers and musicians in general, you of course, ac across the genre. Um, what advice, now that you're a Grammy Award winners, what advice might you have for other arts groups who are interested in, in winning a Grammy. Let's just go ahead and just say that. <laughs> but, you know, making themselves stand out to the Recording Academy and, of course, just simply making an outstanding album that they can be proud of, Grammy or not. I know what I'd say, but, Jack, you want to take a first crack at that? Sure. When you think you have something really special, capture it. This was an opportunity that we talked about that because it, it grew out of an organic process where we had a concert that really moved the group and moved our audience. And we were able to capture that lightning in a bottle by getting an outstanding producer, by bringing us all back to the recital hall where we performed it to try to recreate that experience. And so I think if you have something that you really think, wow, this is a special moment, you have to grab that because it's not going to happen every time. And that's where you, I think, where you really make your magic and where you have your best shot at, at putting yourself out into the world. My advice is the advice that I'm giving myself. And that is, forget about it. <laughs> just forget about it. It's, it's a byproduct. The Grammys are a byproduct of just doing what you love the, the best you know how. And uh, we're about to go into a recording session in a month. And we're thrilled that we're going to get to work with Bob Chilcott on a piece that he has uh, composed based on Native American texts. But 
we're, we're not thinking about anything other than doing the very best we can to bring Bob's ideas to life, and the rest takes care of itself. I think Blanton Ospaugh, who we've mentioned several times, our Grammy-nominated and winning producer, he said, wear it lightly. It is a thrill and an honor beyond all words, but just wear it lightly. It's not about the statue. It's, it's not. Right. Um, it is and it isn't. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of which, uh, save the most important question for last, perhaps, do you know where you're going to keep the Grammy <laughs> when you get it in six to eight weeks, in right? six to eight weeks. It's going to go in the chamber choir office. Yes. I, I'm sure I'll get a little um, suggestion from Mariana that we put it someplace in our house, but that would be... <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is is um, to really honor the the shared work that we did to to make this happen. It needs to be on public display in the chamber choir office. Bob Simpson, Jack Byram, congratulations! I can't say it enough to the Houston Chamber Choir on your Grammy, and thank you so much for sort of taking us along for the journey. Thank you for the chance <laughs> to do that, Catherine. Thank you. Robert Simpson is founder and artistic director of the Grammy award-winning Houston Chamber Choir, and Jack Byram is a tenor in the choir. And they were just out in L.A. with a small group of fellow choir members to pick up their win for the 2020 Grammy for Best Choral Performance. If you'd like to hear the Grammy award-winning, I just want to keep saying, have excuses to to say that. (laughs) You can't always have that opportunity, (laughs) so it's a joy. If you want to hear the Grammy award-winning Houston Chamber Choir in concert, their next concert is called Circle Song, and it's on the weekend of February 22nd and 23rd at South Main Baptist Church here in Houston. You can find more information about that from their website, houstonchamberchoir.org. And I also want to give a shout out to their Grammy-winning album, which is called Duraflay, Complete Choral Works. You can learn more about the album from our podcast because we did an interview. I did an interview with Bob Simpson all about the making of that album, where we even kind of semi-joked about getting a Grammy. Oh, that's cool. Back in May. I think it's the, the fourth episode of Unwrap Your Candies Now, so look for that May 10th episode if you want to dig a little deeper into the music. When are we going to have our anniversary? And what are we going to do for it? we got to come up with something clever. Oh, I love it. More work in front of us, though. That's all I hear anymore. <laughs> but you know who's who's working hard right now? It's the cast of Jersey Boys because they're in town for only three days. They're here tonight. Well, tonight is Friday when we're uh, recording and airing this. Saturday and Sunday. And in three days, they're doing five performances and then they're back out on the road. Wow. How's that for us? So I can't even complain about being tired. I seem really horrible talking about But Jersey Boys, much loved uh, what we call a jukebox musical. It's the music of the Four Seasons, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. But also, it is a wonderful story in and of itself about them. Oftentimes, these jukebox musicals are just the music placed on another story. Think Mamma Mia. Here is the story of this group coming together. And uh, we're lucky to have Corey Greenan, who plays Tommy DeVito, who is the real Tommy DeVito, still alive, 91 years old. And then Hamilton Moore, who occasionally plays the role of Nick Massey, who is unfortunately no longer with us, but his story lives on in Jersey Boys. You want to hear about him? I'm ready. Let's go. You're from my neighborhood. You got three ways out. You could join the army, you could get mobbed up. 
or you could become a star. Joining me in the studio, Corey Green, who plays Tommy DeVito in Jersey Boys and Hamilton Moore, who comes in and out of playing Nick Massey on the show. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Thank good to be nice here. to be here. Okay, I guess you have to start with this show is got such an iconic uh, following out there, daunting to take on these roles and carry this show forward. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Daunting. Um, it's uh, it's certainly a. Um, a responsibility to, to take on these roles because yeah people do have such an attachment to the show already but also they're real people you know right. so um, we're playing these real guys who are still alive in some cases um, <laughs> yeah except for one of them <laughs> yeah. and, Hamilton uh, over here is like well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> may he rest um, in peace may he yeah. rest in peace but we always, but but the our the audiences are always so warm, yeah. and they come in there and they have just the best time. So it, it's definitely a pleasure to get to play these guys. Did you get a chance to meet Tommy? Have I you? have never met Tommy. I've met Bob and Frankie, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, never never had the opportunity to meet Tommy. And uh, would you want to? I would absolutely really? want to. You're not yeah. worried it would then like change how you see the character once you meet. The and man. if it did, it would. You know, that's uh, all the all the better. You know, yeah. um, Hamilton, you couldn't meet Nick. You know, I sure would like to, but I but I can't. It's, yeah, it's it is unfortunate. Have you met any of the other guys? Yeah, I I met Bob Gaudio in D.C. and I thought that was just like the coolest thing. <laughs> so were you yeah. guys fans of them before you took on the show? Did the show help you to understand and become fans? Um, I I was certainly a fan of the show coming from the musical theater world, you know, and just the the impact that that show had, and the re- the reception of it. Um. And of course, I knew the music of, of Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. But uh, you, you get in this show, or you come see the show, and you you realize you knew more of the music than you thought <laughs> you did. Oh, yeah, so surprising about it. Yeah. And then it gave me such a greater appreciation of the guys themselves because it's the story of you know of where they came from and uh, and everything they went through to, to to achieve what they did. Okay, Hamilton, give us the elevator speech of what is Jersey Boys for the three or four people who don't know. <laughs> what is Jersey Boys? Jersey Boys <laughs> is the story of. Uh, how the Four Seasons became such uh, an iconic group in American rock and roll history, and it's it's the ins and outs. It's the it's it's the good parts. It's the bad parts. It's the struggles. It's everything in between. It's it really is a fantastic show. Does it surprise you how? interesting the story is i mean a lot of groups come together and they don't yes. have a great drama there this group did yes i mean and it's got everything in it it's a there's a mob boss there's <laughs> you know it's there you know it's it, it really is incredible it's a really great piece of americana too yeah how about for you Corey? um yeah no it's uh, you got these four individual guys who are very different in many ways but they come from the same air you know they come from the same streets they uh, have this idea of family that carries them through the, the, the good and the bad, like Hamilton said. And my character, Tommy, you know, getting them into, you know, thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, um, eventually getting kicked out of the band, and then Frankie and Bob pulling themselves up from that, from that hole. Um, but how, and, and the way the story's told is how each character brought what they, you know, brought the, their own personality to the group and why this couldn't have happened without without one of these yeah. factors. You know? Well, you have mm. the unique distinction of having been in two of probably the best put-together jukebox musicals. Yes. When we call them jukebox <clears throat> musicals, we're talking about music already existed and they put mm-hmm. it together for the story. Mm-hmm. You did Mamma Mia mm-hmm. and Jersey Boys, mm-hmm. arguably the best two in this genre. Yeah. 
from your Certainly point of view, the most successful. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely the most successful. Mm-hmm. From your point of view, what makes a good jukebox musical work, and what are the things that make them fail? Yeah. Mm. Um, well, so you had Mamma Mia coming out in two thousand one, and it was it was sort of this uh, this phenomenon. You know, they they have this amazing canon of music by ABBA and then built a story around Masterfully the find yeah. a story yeah, in this you know? that almost <clears throat> like, wow, that, that all could work. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so you put that together and it's such an amazing crowd pleaser and, a, and it's, a, it's a wonderful show and so much fun to do, to be sure. Um, and then you have Jersey Boys coming along and actually the story behind it was they were sitting around in the aftermath of Mamma Mia's success and uh, trying to come up with the same idea. Like, let's take our music and build some kind of story around it. And uh, they weren't coming up with anything, so Frankie and Bob just started telling stories of their youth, and the writers were like, well, this is the show. Yeah, this <laughs> so, is Hamilton's like, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you have Jersey Boys, which is honestly more of a play with a concert, because all of the all of the musical pieces are done in this concert setting. I wish this was on video and everyone could see <laughs> Hamilton. You are very animated over there. I, I, I do. I really love the show. man here. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and what he's saying is very true. If you take the music away, the way it's structured, it's a fantastic play mm-hmm. right. as mm-hmm. as is no music as a play it's great you still get that sense of jersey you still get the conflict you still get that sense of family and dedication to the old neighborhood it really is awesome where are you mm-hmm. from originally i'm from georgia from georgia mm-hmm. and how about you california originally california. Well, yeah. so no jersey boys here it's actually a... i was born in jersey yeah. actually where are you yeah whereabouts i was born in uh flemington new jersey and how did you get out <laughs> how did i get out well you know i just kept rolling along <laughs> when did you both realize that this was what you wanted to do with your lives and career um well for me uh was uh, i guess i'd been in choir and stuff all through you know middle school and into high school and i did my first musical my senior year of high school which which was which was once on this island, nice. really? <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and then I was like, well, shoot, I guess I'm gonna major in this, and so I did, and uh, been lucky enough in this business to be totally unqualified to do anything else. <laughs> Before I get you, Hamilton, I, I want to ask, you know, when what is it about it that feeds your soul? What was it that when you did that, you said, this is where I should be? Well, <clears throat> I always had this joy of singing, and then you combined the storytelling aspect to it and uh, the experience of of uh, of that give and take with with the audience you know especially as they're hearing a story you know and and, and going on this journey with you and uh, I've just never looked back and it's just it's been such a joyful experience and in this show in particular in Jersey Boys we literally talk to the audience you know you're making your case to to had to sort of start this not quite dialogue dialogue you know like yeah. sometimes they get a little too you know like, oh it's not a conversation I'm just you know right. <laughs> yeah. stay in character you're not but just uh, but now you have this where you, I'm literally interacting with with the audience you know yeah. and um and I think that connection is is what keeps me here. I mean, it, it's so immediate, and it's and it's makes it different every single night. Okay, we're going to swing the question now over mm-hmm. to Hamilton. Same thing. When was it that this spoke to you? How did you know this is what you should be doing? Or maybe you don't think it. Uh, well, I would hope not. I would hope not. <laughs> I, I'm I just kind of wandered in the theater one day. Yeah, you know, I, I showed up. They gave me a side, and I was like, "Yeah, let's okay. let's see what happens." I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat as Corey. Like I always did. Uh, I always did choir. I started choir in like fourth or fifth grade. Uh-huh. And I really enjoyed that. And I, you know, I was always goofy doing characters and funny voices and stuff. Uh, and then I went to a performing arts high school, and they sort of refined me. And they were like, "You can do this as a career." And I was like, "I feel like I should now." Uh-huh. And for me, it's for me, it's both the audience interaction, and it's just 
it's the way that they respond to the material because you don't know what is happening in someone's life in someone's day theater can be an escape theater can be something that you go to push your perspectives on things and Mm -hmm. learn and experience new stories and when they come up to you after and they say oh i absolutely love that and in the case of this show it there's a lot of nostalgia Mm -hmm. uh, associated with it so when they say oh it took me back and I I haven't I haven't grooved like that in so long and I and I just I, I just and I love the music and I love the show and and when you combine all those aspects together you're you're making a positive impact on somebody that's coming to see your show and I think that's I think that's the greatest thing that you can do yeah because I think we should all seek to make a positive impact if right. I can do that and you know maybe. And you know, sing plus, and dance. People <laughs> yeah. stand up and applaud at the Blood, end of my yeah, work day, which is nice. Really yeah. 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 That's yeah. not too horrible. So when I get up at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, I no. lean on my desk. Nobody's like, yeah, exactly. Ernie, finished that email. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think the fascination for me in this show is that the first time it toured Houston, I had tickets and I couldn't make it. Oh, but sorry. I was invited to the cast party. Mm-hmm. And of course, I could make that. <laughs> but so I went to the event I had. Smart to, guy. Smart and guy. then I went to the cast party. And everybody was talking about what an amazing experience they had had. Mm -hmm. And I've been to a ton of these parties and a ton of these events. Never do you see an audience react like that. And then it was like, what did I miss? Oh, my God, I've got to see this. There is something within this show that energizes an audience unlike most other shows. Mm -hmm. You guys do it every night. Mm -hmm. What is it that you think it is that makes this show click like that with an audience? I really think it was... It's the asides, like Corey was talking about earlier. We, we, I mean, we smash that fourth wall. <laughs> it's, it's you step, you step downstage, and you say, "All right, here's what it is," right. and this is you, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you're talking right to them. And then you, and then you step back up, and you're back into the world of the show. And I think it makes the characters. Yes, the characters are real people, but I think it makes them more human and it makes them more relatable. And I think that's a very, very powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also just even technically speaking, it's a, it, the, the show moves at a clip. You know, it's mm. it's it's got it's got a beat and a rhythm all its own. Um, that's that's complemented by this underscoring that they call the fifth season. You know, this thing <laughs> that keeps it moving yeah. forward. Yeah. And uh, and so you're getting a lot of information, but. You just see these guys doing the best that they can, and I think, and then coupled with these amazing concert pieces, you know, with music that people already have fallen in love with. So, um, I think uh, the vulnerability affects people as well, you know, that they get to see this, the the, the underbelly of everything that happened. So, well, Corey Green and Hamilton Moore, two Jersey Boys from the national tour of Jersey Boys here in Houston right now. Thank you for chatting with me today. Thank you so much Thanks for having us. Jersey Boys on their national tour right now. Currently, as we are recording this, they are here in Houston through Sunday. But if you go on jerseyboysinfo.com, you can see their whole tour schedule and find out where they're going to be next. A big thanks again to Corey Greenan and Hamilton Moore for taking the time to chat with us today. I would love to be on a Broadway tour. Would you? Let's get assignments on a Broadway tour. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. We could do reports from the road. Yes. Everyone's dying to hear what we think of a tour. 
But anyway, that brings us to the end of this episode of Unwrap Your Candies Now. Remember, we're always curious what you think and how you feel about the show. Feel free to uh, converse with us in the world of social media. Hashtag UICN. Or you can email us, UICN at HoustonPublicMedia.org. Or, of course, you can find me in the Twitter sphere as at Ernie on TV. And I'm at HPM Catherine. That's us. Until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs>